0: rolling. (laughs) What's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach. We are back at Zahn's. It is the first Monday after daylight savings time.
1: Mm, That's true.
0: Has daylight savings ended or has it begun?
1: uh, uh, Did we save or not save? I, I don't know how this works. I think it ended. I think it ended. I think that's how
0: that works. Right, because we have an hour less of daylight during the day which is when the farmers would traditionally be out working the fields right
1: uh well according to ben bruno on his instagram post the other day daylight savings was the idea of an entomologist who wanted to study bugs at different hours don't i need to fact check this Interesting. yeah i don't think anybody
0: really knows why
1: but it's darker out than when we typically start yeah even though it's a warm day
0: well, for guys like us who are up at all hours of the morning, you have to get up and see clients at 5.30. 6 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, Friday,
1: 5.30, Tuesday, Thursday.
0: Yeah. My schedule isn't quite that early, and I don't have quite as far to drive.
1: Yeah, it's a 20-minute it's a drive, so I get up at 4.30, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I get up at 4, Tuesday, Thursday.
0: So it is nice having a little light first day in the morning, but, uh...
1: I was going to say, admittedly, it was actually kind of nice. I, there, there was some energy about, like, having a little bit of light at 6 o'clock this morning. Yeah. So, I wasn't super bummed about it.
0: But, all that to say, as we are beginning the podcast recording, you know, obviously we're sitting in front of the windows, the doors here, where normally we have a nice view of the neighborhood here in the Nations, and, uh... It's, I think it's now officially sundown. June. Do so.
1: we say where we were yet?
0: We're at Zahn's Brewing here in the nation. I couldn't remember if you
1: mentioned it again. I didn't,
0: I didn't. Because we have
1: that awesome setup now.
0: Yeah, that's right. So for those of you who haven't been following along, I gotta make sure to remind myself to actually watch the live now that we have going here. Um, a quick review for those who haven't been keeping tabs we are recording from zon's brewing which is in the nations which is a neighborhood here in uh, nashville and they are technically closed right now closed to the public on mondays but because we kind of had the tradition of showing up here every monday to record the podcast Janine and the rest of the Zons crew were gracious enough to continue to let us using the brewery, literally an old converted church, which is super cool.
1: It is really cool. I really like this place.
0: To uh, continue to have us come in, serve us some of their uh, fine adult leisure beverages, and to use the space to record the podcast. So mad shout out to Zons.
1: Right. And if you're a badass bartender... And looking to make a few extra bucks, they are hiring. So give them a call.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Word. And we may or may not be polishing off the last of their pumpkin ale.
1: Right, and I don't. I feel a little bit bad about it, and I also don't.
0: I mean, it's. I mean, it's delicious. It is and really it, good. It, it <laughs> tastes. It tastes even better knowing that this is probably the last one we're going to have this year.
1: That's true. Oh, okay. Then then, that tickles my fancy. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, not to go too far off on a tangent right off the bat, but there's a meditate I, I guess you could call it like a meditation or a mindfulness technique that I have found very powerful. And when we were talking about these beers, that reminded me of it. It's um, just to consider and to remind yourself every now and then that there will always be a last time that you do something.
1: I both like and hate that.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. So when there's something special in your life, something that you enjoy. Um Like this
1: podcast with you?
0: Like this podcast. We're this is episode forty five. Um I hope I I hope that we make it to thousands of episodes of, of this podcast. That'd
1: be that's a lot. But it's like it's like fat loss. Let's go to the next five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
0: But even even if and when you know we get that far, there's going to be a last time. No, there is. For, oh, that's weird. For better or for worse, you know, there's going to be. You know, I think about this. Um, you know, with um, even like with uh, like with clients. You know, even even your very best clients are eventually going to move on. They're going to move, um, you know, as as morbid as it is to think, you know, a lot of times we're working with ideally people for the rest of their, you know, mobility wise, their fully functional years in their time. And there's going to be a last time that you work with somebody. It's gonna be a last workout that you have with somebody. That's pretty wild. Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to throw us off into a big and get all depressed um, right before
1: we start talking about fitness. <laughs> I don't want to go off into this whole,
0: this whole kind of esoteric uh, rant here. But on the one hand, you could say that that's kind of sad and it brings it down and all this stuff. But like a lot of things, I think really the most important thing and the goal is is to make you more present and appreciative of the experiences that you do have Mm.
1: i like that yeah it's been weird because i've actually thought about my lease for my gym space is two years and i've already been like what is it going to look like in two years and where am i going to be next i've been in there for just over a month right so i still have a lot of months to go 47 ish ah, 46 yeah 46 more months anyway yeah word (laughs) all right
0: well now that we've already gone off the rails and maybe made some people mildly depressed to go along with the end of daylight savings time
1: maybe some of our clients will be like is this the last time i ever have to do this exercise (laughs) and there might be if you hate it that much just be like i hate this exercise don't make me do it and i'll be like that was the last time you ever have to do that (laughs)
0: <laughs> well you know it was funny the client that i had right before coming over here was a guy in his late 60s and we were talking about quitting smoking
1: because
0: mm. he obviously grew up in the days well it's funny because we were talking he was he was actually bringing up the fact that he had a good friend in the 60s who got busted for weed and got like a 12-year jail sentence
1: whoa
0: that's a lot of weed He didn't serve all of that time, I don't think. But, you know, it's just funny how it just goes to show, obviously, how things change. But that led into the conversation of cigarettes and quitting smoking. Hmm. Both of my parents have quit smoking. And he was mentioning, he was like, yeah, he's like, I remember my last cigarette. And, yeah, that's, that's kind of what jogged my memory about this particular thought experiment, if you will.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah. Very cool.
0: I think so. (laughs) So we were thinking about. Oh, Oh, also talking about fitness. Also, one thing, one thing that I need to catch myself on, and one thing that I meant to remind you of: every time we even remotely tap a glass to the to the um, to the table. See that big spike yeah yeah that, that gets that gets yeah that was me that was my fault
1: maybe we need to put the microphone on top of my shirt um or or the wallet and see if it like hey, we don't have to do it today.
0: i i think we should just be conscientious when we put our drinks down okay but yeah just don't slam it down right
1: um later when we're a little bit buzzed we'll forget we will definitely forget <laughs>
0: We'll definitely forget. I forgot until I slammed my drink down and I saw the computer go whoop whoop. Because then I go back in and I tamper those down a little bit. Oh,
1: do you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Before you send it to me? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
0: I do a little bit of editing. Usually not much, but usually just a little volume. Just a little volume The editing.
1: dogs got me last week. Mm.
0: I turned those... See, I did it again.
1: <laughs> did I do it? I don't think I did it. Uh,
0: I did I did. Uh, no, uh, when, yeah, when Boone had a little yeah. barking tangent. It the shit out of me. It, it would blow your eardrums out if you listened to it through headphones. Oh. Yeah, so I went in and I, I tampered that way down.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. But it literally only takes like two minutes. Okay. Um, but all that to say, um, we want to provide as great of an auditory experience to our listeners as we can obviously without spending all day editing an episode. um, Because I think we expend, we already expend what little, I think, mental capital we have just recording it in the first place.
1: Right, showing up, we showed up.
0: Yeah, yeah, we show up.
1: We showed up and we drank the beer, and that's, that's good for me, so.
0: Watch how gently I put this glass of water down, bam lovely
1: oh it almost didn't register but it did
0: yeah it's very it's very sensitive because yeah. when vibration comes up through the table well into the microphone
1: sound travels faster through denser materials
0: did you know that it makes sense yeah <laughs> all right okay enough enough, enough bullshit enough jibber jabber uh yeah <laughs> There's the A to Z and then the no BS part. So let's let's stop with the BS and let's get on to fitness.
1: Oh, okay. We will probably BS some more during fitness, but okay.
0: Yeah. So in the past couple episodes, we have been detailing our favorite exercises for specific muscle groups uh, in specific parts of the body. So we had an arm farm episode where we detailed our Um, specific, let's say, isolation-based exercises for forearms, biceps, triceps, and shoulders. Mm -hmm. Then we did legs, obviously, where we broke down our favorite moves around the calves, uh, tibialis, hamstrings, quads, glutes. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to meet in the middle. So the three broad muscle groups of our torso include... I guess we would say the core, the back, and the chest. So okay. we figured we would wrap up this series, if you could call it that, with our uh, favorite torso exercises.
1: Um, okay, also, uh, depending on how we wanna go about this, there's gonna be some crossover. I'm already thinking of like one of my favorite core exercises, and it happens to be also a squat. Oh, so okay. um, you'll like you'll know what I'm talking about here in a minute so, I, th- I think I do. so there's gonna be a cro- some crossover with some of these because realistically um, even though uh, even though I wrote an article about body part split training being dead um, where you are talking about movements that are I'm gonna use air quotes like body part specific, but it's not quite that simple. There's quite a lot going on in terms of like stability and, you know, engagement of other muscle groups that are not the targeted muscle group. So like, for example, a barbell bench press would in theory be like a chest exercise. But, it, you know, it's it's pecs, it's triceps, it's shoulders, it's core. It's a lot of stuff going on. It's rotator cuff. So it's a little bit reductionist. But for the sake of this podcast episode, we will play along the, the rules or whatever of body parts specific. But with the caveat that it's not that simple. <laughs>
0: right, right. I, I, I guess I should say this series, these conversations, kind of exist a little outside of the conversations around smart training. I wouldn't say that. I, I would say the, this series is a little bit of a tangent off of our normal holistic comprehensive conversation around training sure you know it's a little bit more let's say bodybuilding informed um so yeah so like last episode we were talking about like leg extensions and leg curls sure stuff like that like fine exercises should those come before you know mastering squats and deadlifts absolutely not no for the vast majority of people but um, <clears throat> I just think it's a fun um, a, a fun creative constraint to have sure. some, some conversations around so
1: okay yeah well so we, so you said chest back and core
0: what do you want to start with let's start with core you want to go first mm not really what to be fair I haven't really thought of it, but I can, I can come up with pretty much my answer on the fly right here. I was gonna, I
1: think I have three. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick the one that most people aren't going to know as well. If you know? you've
0: got three, how about we do a little I-go-you-go
1: here? Okay, we'll do an I-go-you-go. My right. first one that I really like is a two-kettlebell front rack offset. And by offset, what I mean is offloaded. In other words, let's say like a 35, 16 kg kettlebell in one hand and a 20 kg or 44 pound kettlebell in the other hand. So in other words, so the load is shifted slightly one way across midline and you, you lace your fingers, like, I lace my fingers like this. I don't like to rack when I lace my fingers. You're the kettlebell guy, you can tell me what you think here in a minute when you go. I lace my fingers because I find it to be more stable because it's hard, it, sometimes it can be hard, especially when you're fatigued, your fists are going all over the place like this. So lace those fingers. And then you drop into a little front squat, a kettlebell front squat, and then you pop back out of that squat. Now I like it; it's a squat variation, but I like it because it's front loaded, it's offset in terms of load. So let's say you know you've got the thirty-five in the left hand, the forty-four in the right hand. You you might bang out five you know five reps that way, set them down, turn them around, rack them, and go another five. And so there's a little bit of a rotational component there. It's offloaded to one side of the body. It's a squat variation, front loaded, all that. So of all core exercises, and we talked about this, I think a couple episodes back, that one of my favorite ab exercises is a front squat, like a barbell front squat. And so this is in line with one of my favorite core stability exercises being that it's a front squat with two kettlebells that are of different weight.
0: As a kettlebell nerd, I really appreciate you going there. Oh, look at that. Did I steal yours, though? No. mm -mm. Okay, good. No, no, no. No, I definitely think that front squat variations of almost any kind are obviously super core intensive, especially when you do them with that that intention. Um, I was doing, um, you know, I worked up to, I just broke 200 pounds in my front squat,
1: for triples I know I was, I was actually I posted, a little bit jealous I saw that and I was like mm.
0: I, I posted on Instagram and that's uh, that's the heaviest I've gone with my front squats basically all year since you know breaking the leg so thank you thank you thank
1: you thank you Janine I'll do another one in a few minutes Look at that! Yeah, that's that silent that was really good She was listening
0: brilliant Okay. <laughs> mm. so yeah man front squats of, of all kinds are um, super core intensive and you know, there's something about the kettlebell. You know, something about having like that mass that's that's obviously so wide coming you know coming off of your torso there um, that obviously adds to that um, core component. The only thing that I was raising my eyebrows about, which I'm actually not, interlocking your fingers. Sure, absolutely. I think I think that's totally fine. And um, I don't think that necessarily takes away from the core engagement. I'm just such a hardcore, hard-style kettlebell dude that I'm gripping extra hard, and I'm bringing them... Oh, you're bringing them out. I, not out, but I'm bringing my my forearms vertical. And I'm, I'm kind of... My intention is almost pointing my elbow down to my hip bone.
1: Okay. Yeah, because if you go laced, then you're probably pointing out a little bit, yeah. like flaring a little bit.
0: Which, okay. Which, you know... Interlocking your fingers probably helps to take a little bit of the un- unnecessary pressure off of your shoulder. So I can get down with that. But maybe if we meet in the middle, if we interlock fingers and squeeze elbows in. So okay. You're like this as opposed to like this. Well, and I
1: think too, if, if you go heavy enough, you'll probably want to squeeze elbows in because the weight, that pressure on those forearms. That's the number one right. complaint that I have. I'm sure you do the same. The number one complaint being the pressure on the forearms when you're in that rack position. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, that ends up working out a little easier because you're not trying to sh- to shelf it, if you will.
0: Yeah. I'm just always, um, you know, wagging my finger at the wide chicken wing. Oh no. Uh, front squat. No, that's like way harder. Which we see a which we see a lot.
1: Well, it's way it's like like unnecessarily we more challenging.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah cool so I'm glad you went there front squat I'm gonna go um, let's see I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to, uh, how to phrase this in a way that kind of is yin and yang to the front squat so my pick is the hanging leg raise
1: okay yeah. are you talking about like hanging from like a pull up bar hanging leg raise or are you talking about like captain's chair hanging leg raise
0: uh specifically hanging from a pull-up bar
1: okay that's hard it's tough
0: but I think a captain's uh, Roman okay. chair is um, is right there in the ballpark um, but yeah I mean when you are the the obvious drawback to the hanging leg raise is that it's not super beginner friendly you mm-hmm. you've got okay. to have the you've got to have the grip strength to hold on to the bar And obviously the core strength to actually do at least a hollow body position, you know, up to 90 degrees and then ideally being able to get toes all the way to the bar without any undue leaning. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and and admit that it's a a relatively advanced exercise, but in terms of uh, really targeting the abs, really targeting the core, um, man, there's, uh, there's really nothing like it. I mean, you're you're getting the lats pulled down and you are, uh, I mean, as opposed to your example of the front squat, which I would almost consider a moving plank. Okay. Right? Hanging leg raise would actually be, you know, active flexion. Hip, sure. Hip and, you know, to a large degree, lumbar flexion. So you're actually getting movement and contraction through the rectus abdominis um so that's a huge one granted it's maybe a step four or step five for a lot of people Hmm. um but that's one of my favorites okay yeah
1: i like that one too I, i think i'm preferential to the captain's chair variation because i can um i have difficulty not swinging Right, right, right. And so the captain's chair, because, you know, you have a back to it, you can kind of press your back against it and be a little bit more stable. So I do like that, unless you're working from a pull-up bar where your toes can catch, in which case I'll go dead stop. Like, toes touch, raise yep. them up, let them come down, toes touch. like so. So you don't have that momentum swinging back and forth. It's right. tough.
0: Well, and I think those are great progressions, and I would say – Again, one of the inherent benefits of the free hanging um, hanging leg raise is that deceleration on the way down and keeping yourself from swinging.
1: Mm, okay, I get you. Yeah. All right. I like that one. Yeah,
0: man. All right. You have you have number two.
1: Um, yes, and and I'm torn. Because all th- the next three of mine, I actually really like all three of them for different reasons. But I'm gonna go with a non- like an unconventional one that some, I'm gonna say most people haven't done, but a heavy sandbag lap to stand. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, a lot of people have never worked with sandbags in the weight room. So, uh, so uh, all right, so I'll say it this way for an unconventional tool, this is a great core training activity. Most people are not gonna have access to this, so I will admit the limitation of my choice. However, um, I have a 63 or 67 pound sandbag, I have two seventy-fives, I have a 117 and a 200 pound sandbag. Now, the for me personally, and for some of my stronger clients, the 63 and the 75s are pretty easy to throw around. Um, but the 117, which is pink, and Bertha, the 200, are very, very challenging to get off the ground. Now, you and I've talked, we've talked about deadlifts. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people know what a deadlift looks like, what it feels like, whatever. Here's the difference. A sandbag is just, like, loose weight. There's no handles, there's there's no rigid bar, there's no predetermined height off the ground. It's a dead ass weight on the ground that you have to try to get off the ground and so the 200 is a bitch um (laughs) we've talked about this previously on the podcast one of the hardest workouts i ever did was picking up the 200 walking it away from my house doing some other activities and then bringing it back Mm i like it killed me so bad i seriously considered walking home getting my keys and driving my car to go pick it up as opposed to bringing it back. That's how bad that 200 was. That said, the the whole skill of like getting the the sandbag into the position and then, so I call it a lap to stand. So you stand over the sandbag, you kind of wedge your hands under it and then you sort of like suck it to, so you're in almost like this hinge position. Um, Think about like the the bottom phase of a kettlebell swing, right? Mm -hmm. So your hips are a little bit higher, your hamstrings, glutes, everything's engaged um, and your torso is sort of facing the floor. So you're in that sort of position and then you kind of wedge your hands under the, the sandbag and then you sort of sort, suck it to your body and then you have to hinge and stand up with it. And then, so there's a lot of core work. And again, is biceps, chest, back, whatever. There's a lot going on. Um, you have to suck it to your chest and then you can do a number of different things with it. You can then drop it on the ground. Watch your toes, drop it on the ground or you can carry it as far as you, like I said a second ago, you can just pick it up, carry it as far as you can. Now, it's it's core for, there's two different doses. The act of picking it up, standing up, and dropping it is full engagement of core stability, you know, hips, abs, low back, upper back, everything. Engaging and disengaging, engaging and disengaging. And so one of my favorite workouts for that is just a 10 minute AMRAP. Mm. How many times can I pick it up and set it down without getting hurt or whatever? It'll smoke you. So there's that. And then the other version is pick it up and then walk it as far as you can because you have to hold a huge amount of weight, 117 pounds or 200 pounds. Hold it like like a big old bear hug and just try to get as far as you can. So there's a lot of engagement. We'll call it a farmer's carry, but I call it a sandbag carry. Bear hug um, carry. A bear hug carry, so that would be my probably my second one. Dig it. Yeah,
0: dig it. Bold, bold choices so far. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm messing going, around. I'm gonna go way simple here. Oh. Um, and say that one of my go-to core exercises that I do every single day. Um. And I have my clients do, practically every session is a side plank. Oh, interesting. Yep, yep. Simple side plank. I often like to cue side planks with bent knees, and and on the forearm.
1: Okay, so so not a T side plank. You're not on your hand like that. Right, 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 right. right.
0: Yeah, not like push up. Not like full push up position. Um, so I like to do that. Uh, the bent knees obviously shortens the lever. And I find that for most people, you can just isolate the feeling of oblique engagement a lot better with, uh, with bent knee as opposed to straight leg. Obviously, some people's knees get a little cranky with the, the leverage. Mm. So even for people who are super strong and have no hip or knee issues, um, I will still often cue the bent knee variation. Okay. Yeah. And you know, usually we'll hold for anywhere between thirty seconds and a minute. And I just like to cue high hip. Um, you know, if you raise your top leg and you really focus on pushing and driving that bottom knee into the ground, you'll get quite a little glute, mm-hmm. uh, glute medius, maybe if you will, kind of like that clamshell sure. type of type of feeling. Um, and it's it's user friendly obviously you don't have to, uh, have any equipment to do it. There's no 200 pound sandbag needed, <laughs> but yeah. that's true.
1: I do like that.
0: But doing, doing that side plank and just focusing on deep breathing and having people, thank you, having people, you know, maybe palpate the muscles a little bit. to sure. Actually kind of really feel like the actual stiffness of the, uh, lower oblique as you work there. Um, I think is huge and, um, I think maybe if you wanted to supercharge the side plank, obviously you could do a Copenhagen-style side plank, um, which I guess is a little hard to describe, but that's essentially where instead instead of holding yourself in a side plank by pushing your lower knee into the ground, you're actually holding yourself up by squeezing your top knee or leg down into a bench. Or, or a step,
1: right. So imagine you're doing a side plank, but the top leg is elevated on the side of a bench.
0: Right, right. So
1: it's really tough.
0: That's that's another favorite side plank variation. Well, but yeah. You get, simple, simple as that.
1: Yeah, you get some adductor activation with that one too. I do like the Copenhagen plank with my warm-ups for squats. Big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'll, I'll work in depending on how my knees feel. I'll work in, like, hamstring curls and Copenhagen planks with my warm-up sets for squats. Mm-hmm. And then my knees typically tolerate it better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to hack the side plank to, to perform the Copenhagen plank. Um, you know, you could do rolling versions where you just go from one side to the other side kind of dynamically. Obviously, you can holds. You can do leg raises. You can do, like, knee tucks. You could do all kinds of, like, fancy... Jane Fonda type moves. <laughs> um, but the idea, both with the traditional side plank and the Copenhagen style, is kind of, the way that I think about it is you're 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 linking obliques to lats, obviously, because you're stabilizing yourself here. Sure. From, from the arms, so you want to pull that shoulder down and back and really tuck those lats down so you get kind of like a good lat to oblique connection. And then if you're doing a traditional side plank, you're thinking about hip abduction, really driving the bottom knee down into the ground, getting that good glute engagement. Um, And then, you know, obviously you could do like top leg lifts from there. And then with the Copenhagen style, you're doing the same thing, only you're kind of working hip adduction. And of course you're bringing your top leg down in the squeeze, the knee squeeze effect. Right. And then if you want to be super fancy, you could also Bring your bottom leg up and tap the bench as well to work adduction on the bottom leg as well. But the theme there is oblique coordinating with both lat and hip movement. Okay. Or or stability, if you will. Hmm. So side plank is my second I and dig it. And that may or may not be my final well so i'm
1: I'm looking under time because you still have to do chest and back um honorable mentions and you can you and i can decide if we want to go down that road i think going along the lines of your side plank i like one arm suitcase suitcase carry so a heavy weight in one hand but not the other high knee march with a pause so i like it because similar to the side plank what you're when you're doing a side plane, gravity is trying to pull you to the ground, and you're resisting that. With a one-arm carry, gravity is trying to teeter you one side, and you're resisting that. So there's that. Then when you do the, the high knee march with a pause, it's a very slow, deliberate march. You're having to do, like, ankle stability. It's sort of a balance exercise. Um, you, know, uh, you know, lateral flexion, rotational core stability. So there's that one um and then the ab wheel which i'm surprised neither of us have said yet which the ad, here's how i described yeah. it the other day the ab wheel to me is a is a moving or dynamic plank yeah it's a it's a plank that increases the lever length mm-hmm. so yeah and that's about it yeah uh, yeah so i don't know if you want to go down that road but i think those are both good Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had another one that I didn't mention.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, suitcase carry is huge. Uh, again, because I'm a kettlebell nerd. Single arm bottoms up carry. Okay. March um, is huge. I think Stu McGill is uh, is a big fan of that one from his uh, Waterloo studies. Ab wheel. I think ab wheel is probably... One of the most powerful accessory moves to maybe work up to the hanging leg raises and pull-ups. Okay. I, I think that's huge. So again, being a kettlebell guy, my honorable mention because you you really took suitcase carry, which was a huge one. <laughs> um, of course, I can't I can't let Turkish get-ups. Go go by. Oh yeah, so, I did not even
1: thought of that one. Yeah,
0: so I would say Turkish get-ups and anything else in the in the rolling or or let's say cross-body coordination family. So bear crawls, dead bugs, that kind of thing. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I dig it's, it. Yeah. I think we should leave it. Yeah, leave core there.
0: Yeah, I think we've thoroughly we've fried. <laughs> thoroughly fried the the core. The core. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, All right, so Chester back. Let's go back. You go first this time. Okay. All right.
0: Granted, this is is totally off the top of my head. But I will say, I, I will also frame this, and maybe we could say the difference between, like, upper back versus, like, maybe like the difference between like rhomboids and upper back musculature sure. versus lats and pulling down musculature. Sure.
1: Like uh, yeah. We, vertical versus horizontal. I would maybe. say we could characterize it as vertical or horizontal, yeah. or we could characterize it as um, flexion extent- well flexion would not be would not count, but extension based. Yeah. Let me sidebar. I don't consider the deadlift a back exercise.
0: Yeah, going nor back, nor do I.
1: Right, going back to the whole body part split yeah. thing, I don't. I would not put deadlifts in the back category. That I, I'm not oblivious. I understand that low back and upper. There's a lot of back, like lats. There's a lot of back going on, but low back and lats in the deadlift are are contracting isometrically for the most part, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, if we really wanted to characterize it as a back exercise, I think that you would have to. Assume that whatever the exercise was is taking those muscles through full range of motion. And the deadlift doesn't do that with low back or lats. It's an isometric hold, effectively. So, now your hips and your hamstrings are moving, but your upper back or whatever is not, really. So, I don't consider the deadlift a back exercise. Again, going back to, we prefaced this in the beginning of the episode, it's not that simple.
0: Right, right. Yeah,
1: but... I will defend my assertion that the deadlift is not a back exercise. It is a hip and hamstring exercise.
0: Yeah, and I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, and it's funny, the phase of training that I just wrapped up with, on, on one of the push-pull days, uh, the main pulling, uh, I, I wouldn't say the main pulling exercise but one of the big pulling accessory moves was snatch grip deadlift. So yeah, snatch grip, you could make the argument that it is obviously more taxing on, on the back and the rhomboids, um, especially at the weight that I was using practically no problem for my hips, but quite the challenge for my, let's say back and traps. Sure. But again, yeah, uh, The deadlift, I, I kind of feel, is its own thing. It lives in the hip hinge... Right, I agree. Uh, ...realm. But, tangent aside... Okay. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go... Batwing Row.
1: Okay. I know this one, but the audience doesn't.
0: So, with a close second being like TRX Bodyweight Row. But... Um, For those who aren't familiar, the batwing row is where you simply lie down, belly down, face down on a bench and you have two hefty weights um, in each hand, kettlebell or dumbbell usually, and you just pull them off the ground and you're driving your elbows uh, back and you're holding an isometric row. Belly down, obviously, you would kind of consider this a variation of a chest-supported row. And this kind of comes from the school of Dan John, where he likes to hold, uh, if memory serves me right, you know, 15 to 30 seconds with super heavy weight, Um, really targeting the rhomboids, which are the muscles kind of between the shoulder blades and obviously like the, the upper back in general. So the reason that I'm kind of leading with that is because it is essentially an isometric exercise, very user friendly. It's super, it's very hard to mess up and you can handle a lot of weight, Hmm. which when you're training your back is kind of part and parcel of the the process. So I will be the first to admit, I don't personally train uh, bat wings that much only because we have such a variety of chest supported row machines Mm -hmm. at the gym where we recreationally train at Um, but for someone who doesn't have access to like full gym equipment if you just have a bench and a couple of heavy weights i think it's a great way to train the back
1: um i'll agree with you uh To come, so this is. Uh, I'm going to compound on yours, but my favorite is not. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw in a different one for variety's sake. I, I do like the chest supported row. Um, here's where i Here's where my mind is going. The humble row. Now I like. I'm preferential to chest supported over let's say cable rows
0: you're saying are you're insinuating one arm
1: no 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 no. um I, i like two arm mostly for efficiency sake uh the one arm row is great um but we're picking our favorite so i'm gonna go with chest supported row very similar to yours and very similar to what dan john does what i like to do and i've been doing this lately with a lot of my clients is um well you know grip and rip you know 10 15 10 12 15 reps and on the last one only isometric hold for as long as you can.
0: Now, help help me visualize this. At your gym, how are you doing this?
1: We, I have my my benches getting can incline and and so my I have adjustable benches. Oh, okay. So you're face down on the bench. Got it. You grab your weights, you do your you know, you're doing your rows face Got down, it. and on the last one only, isometric hold for as long as you can. Sure. Um, cool. or a variation of that is, let's say I want you to do 10 reps, Zach. We're going to do chest support rows, 10 reps. But every single rep is a five-count hold. Woo. So that's, you know, if we're doing my math right, roughly 50 seconds of uh, time under tension. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. It's an eternity. Especially if you do an actual five-count. Most of my people, myself included, don't do an actual five-count. I say five-count because then they'll give me a three-count, and that's plenty. Sure. So I get it. Um, So I do like the chest-supported row. Here's why I like the chest-supported over, let's say, a cable row. Mm -hmm. For two reasons. The first is because the chest-supported row is more stable. In other words, you're face down, against that bench, whatever. You're more stable. I think you can leverage a little bit more load. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if you set it up right, you can be more or less neutral spine whereas with a cable road just by the nature of the setup i think a lot of people depending on the load will end up sort of extending through their t-spine right so they're already in this sort of extended position sort of you know for the listeners in the audience imagine you're trying to puff your chest out like uh like you know, I don't know you're at the bar at the club trying to look big and tall or whatever sort of this sort of like puffed chest out position so you already like sort of extended through the T spine, which does change the mechanics a little bit. So I'm, and then load is it you know contingent on what you can stabilize through that core strength we've been developing. What you can stabilize is you set that up. So um, I do love cable rows, you know, sidebar, You and I would never probably there. There are certain exercises we would probably not coach, but for the you know vast majority of stuff we see in the gym, it's all good. It's all working. It's all good. These are, sure. our, these are our favorites. Sure. So we're not saying that anything else is a bad exercise, we're just picking our favorite ones. Sure. So to compound on yours, sure. I do love the chest supported row with a little bit of nuance here and there for like, just the dose. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I am getting a, a cable application for my own gym so I can do cable pulls, but mine is a cable lat pull, vertical, like a lat pull down, is my back exercise of choice. Would you like to know why? I can do it quickly.
0: You just you just you just spoke to us for seven minutes about your really? about your horizontal row and that wasn't your top choice? Okay,
1: well then I won't was that really seven minutes? Holy Andy shit. Van. Okay, I I have Andy Van. gab
0: I was I'm <laughs> thinking like, okay, like we are done with back. Okay. And now he's saying, you No, know, I'm I'm teasing you a little bit. I'm teasing you a little bit.
1: Was it really seven minutes? That's insane.
0: It was okay. Pretty close.
1: All right. Well, so <laughs> the lat pull down, and I'll just leave it at that. So, <laughs> I just want to say why. Well, it's like the lat pull down.
0: Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think once we really get down to it, this probably seems like a pretty simple conversation where we're talking about our top horizontal pull and our top vertical pull. Uh, um, maybe I would just say that my top back exercise in general for a lot of people would be to start with the horizontal pull. But you're saying you might want to start with the vertical
1: uh no, not necessarily. Okay. I like to do both, but the the vertical pull and I have reasons for it, but we don't have to go down that. Like you like or, or uh, vertical pulls.
0: The only tricky thing with with vertical is obviously you're talking about overhead mobility, which for the vast majority of people is you're kind of opening up a little bit of an extra can of worms.
1: Sure. Sure. I agree. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um The quick and dirty version of the lat pull-down versus a pull-up is that most people can do a lat pull-down day one.
0: So you mentioned single arm, right?
1: Lat pull-down? No, but...
0: Oh, did I just imagine that? You just imagined that, yeah. Oh, wow. It must have been that seven
1: minute. You must have dozed off.
0: (laughs) This this, this this, this 1.3 pumpkin ales I've had.
1: (laughs) I'm two and a half in, man.
0: You've also, you've also got me on drinking experience and body weight and general alcohol tolerance.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I don't think you can argue with any three of those things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with me. <laughs> nobody
0: is mess. Nobody, nobody in this podcast is messing yeah. with you, Andy.
1: All right. So the quick and dirty for the lat pull down is. Literally, between the lat pull-down and the pull-up, because most people are going to be like, why not the pull-up? Why not the pull-up? Pull yeah. Yeah because, yeah. And yeah, because most people that we work with have difficulty with the pull-up day one, so the lat pull-down is just a more friendly version of that sure. with some other details that we could nerd out about, but I don't want to.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, the the pull-up is so skill-heavy. Right. And there's so many other moving parts to the pull-up that for... For pure back training, if we're talking about um, training the back musculature, obviously pull-ups are great, but there's so many other drills I think need to get their due beforehand. Now, if you want to talk about body weight strength, that's kind of a different conversation than what we're having here. Sure. Which... Which, again, is the whole kind of funny conversation, the creative constraints that we're having around this this particular series. Um, So all that to say, um, like I think I mentioned, uh, body weight rows, Mm -hmm. TRX rows, which is basically just a horizontal version of like a pull-up, is, again, another favorite horizontal pull exercise. When it comes to vertical pull, I, I mean, again, I almost feel like we're kind of limited just by options in, in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, the lat pull down is a classic. Um, I'm trying to think of other lat specific exercises that I particularly like to do. The pullover? Yeah, I kind of fall in and out of the pullover. Um, I recognize that it, that it is a great exercise and I, I do have a lot of my clients do like hollow body floor version pullovers.
1: Okay, I like that.
0: Um, but I almost kind of put that into the general shoulder mobility category than I do specifically lats. Although I'm sure if you do them heavy enough and with the right intent, they are a great lat exercise.
1: I, I like the pullover, but I have a very specific setup and all, like almost universally will not do, like, do it any other way how's that so the way that i do a dumbbell pullover um, you have a bench right most people when they do a dumbbell pullover their body is in line with the bench right so like the bench sorry everybody on camera can see this the bench is like this your body's on top right no i go this way
0: yeah of course okay
1: so there's that of course so, you go perpendicular. So here's the trick. So you're going perpendicular to the bench. You get your shoulders on the bench, your hips are slit, slit off. Right. You're in a full bridge position. Yep. And I'm talking about like, get that ass engaged. Yep. Like squeeze that ass. Yep. So full bridge position. Then as that dumbbell, so and then, and this is where you have to be very careful in the setup. I'll tie a, like a band pull apart band around the dumbbell and anchor it behind my head towards the floor. Now here's why. When you're doing that dumbbell pullover, when you're way overhead towards the floor, you have a lot of engagement in those lats. And then you gotta drag it over the top of your chest, right? But when you drag over the top of your chest, by the time it's over the top of your head or your chest, you're really just supporting it vertically without, right. without the band. Right. The band forces you to contract those lats. Right. So it's a very specific setup. It's very, it's not challenging. It just takes a minute to like get into it. But I am very preferential to pulling, like if I'm coaching, I'll put a band around it and I'll anchor it and hold onto it. So that when my client gets that dumbbell over their chest, they're engaging those lats, those triceps, their abs. Same thing, like if they were in that plant, like uh, if I were to hit them from the side, if I were to poke them or punch them in the ass or poke them and punch them in the belly, it should be straight plank. It should be yeah. super tense. Yeah. So, again, total body exercise, but very specific setup that I won't do any other way.
0: Mm. Andy's getting crazy with the cheese whiz over here. I am getting a little
1: wild over there. I like here. that. Uh,
0: and I'm going to follow up and say that I like that. And the way that I might um, maybe recreate that in my own training is just straight arm pull down.
1: Right. <laughs> or if you have, like, well, part, right? of the re- part of the reason I never do this ever is because I have access to gym five with a lat pull down. Right. So.
0: right, right, <laughs> right, right. That's, I mean, honestly, I think if you if you have to join, if you're thinking about joining a gym that has a lot of equipment, I think it's for the back training. I think it's for all the variations of pull that you can do. I would agree. Because that's, like, that's, uh, you can do almost every... Push almost any you know compound exercise like with kettlebells, with barbells, with a few dumbbells, you know whatever. But I think where your your traditional gym equipment really shines is with back training.
1: I would agree with that. You
0: get lat pull downs, you get cable rows, you get you get the plate loaded rows, all kinds of rows, T bar rows. You like know.
1: in infinite grips, yeah, like the high grip, right. middle grip, low grip, underhand grip, overhand
0: grip. I mean, honestly, when we train at Gym Five, we almost never do a workout that doesn't involve some sort of row.
1: No, uh, well, based on our experience as coaches, I don't think that's an accident.
0: Yeah, like we're all we're always on that 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 chest supported horse. <sighs> that's horse like my
1: favorite row. one. Yeah, that's my favorite one. <laughs> I want, I want that one in my gym.
0: You know, we're always doing, you know, like uh, the cable row or we're doing, you know, we did T-bar row last week. We're always doing some sort of row. So back training, if nothing else. If you're serious about back training, it might be worth it to join a commercial gym if you don't.
1: A globo gym yeah. of sorts.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that is kind of the missing piece. Um, the only thing that I'll wrap up on, you know, with that is, of course, I love the straight arm pull down. I've also recently been doing a one-arm straight-arm pull-down that um, I just really feel like when you can get a little twist, you can get a little twist over, you can really get into that lat. Okay. So all that to say, we're running just a little bit low on time if we want to respect our hour-ish.
1: And I would like that. I uh, have steak to cook. Our, <laughs>
0: yeah, our, our hour ish uh, time uh, time block here, time constraint. So wrapping up with chest. Okay. I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and give credence to the new old school training tool that I've been using a lot over the past couple years, and give credence to the pec stick. Okay. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the pec stick or the torque stick is simply a heavy spring with two long handles out on either end. So you literally bend it, right? You're, You're bending it so the spring points up, or you're bending it so the spring points down. And you're basically training almost pure shoulder adduction, which is what the pecs do. You're training that squeeze.
1: Did you say adduction? Adduction. Okay. A A D D A D D. Yeah.
0: You're adding to the center. Right. Adduction. So yeah, man. Um, again, it's not it's not a tool that a lot of people work with, but uh you do 50 pec stick closes bam 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 you're gonna you're gonna get a chest pump whether you like it or not
1: when I, so you introduced me to the pec stick and now i own one in the gym i do so with my clients if we do pec stick closes i'll do a pec stick close with a hold they have mm-hmm. to touch knuckles and hold that contraction and then eccentrically control it out because it's real easy to like close it and sort of fling out Right. And that might be one way to get, like, you know, if I said get 75 reps, the concentric, it it wouldn't beat you up, but as far as, like, the way I dose it is 10 to 15, but you got to touch knuckles and hold Mm -hmm. that contraction. So I do like the pec stick. You introduced me to it. I got one for the gym, so I like that.
0: And there's, I will say that there's a million ways to hack the pec stick, and I will be coming out with a minimalist, strength training manual here soon that features peck stick grippers resistance band and maybe kettlebell so that's in the development phase right right now side, so I, just, I wanted to plug that sidebar you should in case anybody's curious
1: you should pitch that to like truck drivers i've been thinking about this recently like semi drivers that are on the road all the time i was like how would they get their workouts in if they wanted to And if you had a pec stick and resistance bands and a a couple decent-sized kettlebells, you could get a hella good workout on the road if you were a truck driver.
0: It's so funny you mention that. Two of my most recent online clients, one is a truck driver. Okay. And the other lives in an RV. See? Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. That's that's good stuff. Um, So, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say just... Just general pec stick uh, drills, but yeah, the close, the hold, the slow eccentric. Um, that's that's kind of my left field answer there to okay. the first first idea for for pec or chest training.
1: All right, um, I'm gonna um, piggyback on top of that. So, I am not going to pick a barbell bench. Now, a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to be like, they're going to say barbell bench. And you and I are not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and, and to go back to what you were saying, so one of the primary jobs of the pec and pec minor is to adduct, to bring the arm towards the center. And if you've got a bar in your hands, you the advantage of the barbell bench is that you can leverage a lot of weight. But you can't bring your hands closer together while you're doing it. You can't adduct the arm. So um, you and I won't pick the barbell bench. Um, To piggyback off yours, I'm going to pick the dumbbell bench, but I'm going to say a dumbbell alternating press. So the way that I coach it is you lay on your back. Both dumbbells are in the up position. You're going to pump right, pause, sort of near your chest and then bring it back up. You're gonna pump left, pause near your chest, bring it back up, and you get the advantage of that adduction that we're talking about because you're gonna flare out a little bit and then bring it back towards center, and a little bit of isometric hold because you're having to stabilize while the other arm is working. It's a little, and it's a little core work. Hey, tie it back in. A little bit of core work because your body wants to rotate a little bit as you're working, so you have to be stable through your core under that rotating force. So, pump right, pump left, dumbbell, alternating bench press is my pec one. Love it. And I, I don't think I have a better one, actually. That's why, it. it's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think chest is tricky because you immediately start getting into triceps and delts. Sure. Um, but for me, honorable mentions would simply be med ball squeeze push-up. Okay. And dumbbell
1: flies. Okay. Um, I'll say dumbbell flies, but with an added manual resistance when you get closer to that midline. You and I have talked about this before. Same thing. The problem with dumbbell flies is you get a lot of tension when you're out away from the body. As you get over the body, you're just supporting it vertically. Manual resistance would be me as a coach watching you do this, stepping in and putting my hands on your wrists, so that as you start to bring those dumbbells together, I'm actually resisting that movement and you're having to squeeze those pecs together. Yeah. So,
0: If you don't have an amazing personal trainer like myself or Andy, next best thing might be the squeeze press where you literally squeeze the dumbbells together press like so. So
1: I love that because I love that you brought that up. I love the squeeze press. So you squeeze them together and press them or whatever. What I'll tell my clients is like hit the target rep range, let's say 8 to 12, and then roll them out and get a few more Mm -hmm. because you're mechanically advantaged in that outside position. Yeah, love that. Yeah.
0: Or if you don't have a couple dumbbells, do the pec stick, squeeze and close, Mm -hmm. press. Mm, I like that. Press. Let me tell you, man, I've got I've got a lot of funky peck stick drills that uh, are going to be coming out in this in this ebook. we will be looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, boom. Core, back, chest. Do in. we leave any stone unturned? Uh, I don't think so. We talked a lot about core. We talked yeah. a lot about back. Is relatively simple training. I, I agree. Really. You're t- you're either you're either rowing horizontal or you're pulling vertical, and then it's just a matter of making sure that you get the right mind-muscle connection to target those muscles. I would agree. Chest, again, you're talking about some version of a press or of a fly, getting a squeeze sensation.
1: The only thing that I'll add is, and I'll tell my clients this too, is if you have a body part that you want to train, like let's say you want to train chest, like you you want to, like a, you know, I'll speak for the men that I work with, you know, like big, broad chest. Train it first. Sure. Now, And here's the irony of this is I've been complimented on my chest in the past. Not right now. Not, don't, not today. I'm, I'm recovering from an, like an injury. Point is, I've, I've been complimented on my chest in the past, and I don't think it's because of the specific exercises I do now. It's because when I was 16 and I was first lifting, I did chest way more than any other body part. So in terms of overall physical development, my chest is a little bit ahead of the game because I s- started with that and did more of it when I was a kid. So I think there's something to be said for if you're trying to like bring up a body part, train it first and train it more frequently within reason. Train it first, train it more frequently.
0: I think that is a great piece of advice to wrap up on and to close this series on specific muscle group training
1: uh, i think we did i think we got it all you know work on that brain muscle but one of these days
0: i uh i don't think the beer is helping <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and no say
1: that. it's not <laughs> that's okay it tastes good though
0: Sure does. That's well, hey, Zahn's Pumpkin Ale. That's a, that's a great segue to give one last shout-out to Zahn's Brewing here in the nations in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Listen, hey, if you're listening and you don't live here, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why don't you come out here and train with me and Andy?
1: Well, yeah, come visit.
0: Listen, you may not be able to afford a house in this guy. <laughs> in this, this, this Godforsaken market but if nothing else, come out, take a weekend, come train, lift Palooza 2022 is definitely going down. So okay but
1: well, you can also come out earlier than that and, and drink beer and cheat the shit and come lift
0: every Monday Drink 415 we're here and yep. every Saturday, 9: 30 a.m. We're at the gym five.
1: We're so consistent. You
0: know where to find us. Don't even play. Don't even play like you don't know where to find us. Well, and here's the crazy
1: part about that is um, I have, at least to you, maybe not like live on this podcast, if you want to be a guest on this podcast show, A, or just an audience member, B, I will buy your beer. Not fucking around. I will buy your beer if you want to come hang out with us while we record, hit us with questions, whatever come hang out 415 every Monday. I will buy your beer that if you want to come live with us, I will buy your guest pass for gym five. I'm not fucking around.
0: Andy is not afraid to throw around the big bucks.
1: It's like $10, but okay. <laughs> <big bucks>. When, <laughs> and, when,
0: when many dozens of people take you up on your offer,
1: wouldn't that be funny if there was like an actual dozen people?
0: Dude, I'm just I'm so glad that Andy Van's training and conditioning is off to such a strong start. It really is. Listen, like, listen, I'm not gonna lie. No joke. Is. No joke. I want to wrap up with this. We're we're kind of at the part. We're kind of at the part now. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. This this may not be a very popular thing to say. I am not one to give a lot of kudos when someone is. On step one of the process so for example when you get when you get the keys to your new gym yeah and you post it on social media and you get a hundred comments saying congratulations of course of course I am there to support you and to say congratulations sure but it's just like the whole wedding thing Yes, everybody, let's show up to the wedding, let's have a good time, let's celebrate this couple. But what counts? Where are we at the 10 year anniversary? Mm. Where Where are we when the business is actually running? So, all that to say, I wanna give you a massive kudos now because you actually, you've always deserved it, but you have built an amazing gym, a fully functioning boutique studio in West Nashville. You have a uh, a growing stable of clients. I don't want to say a full stable of clients because there's always room for one more. Sure. But you're as busy as you've ever been. Mm-hmm. And you still find the time to do this podcast and to cook amazing food for you and your wife. And now I really want to give you... massive kudos and word of congratulations because now Andy Van's Strength and Conditioning is off the tarmac and quickly approaching 30,000 feet.
1: Thanks man. Did you know that my like love language is words of affirmation? I did not know that. Well you're doing a great job. (laughs) I feel showered in love right now.
0: That was my goal. Thank you. That was my goal. Thank you. So, so great work, man. I'm super duper proud of you. And um, I'm, I'm obviously excited to see you continue to grow your community because, um, again, it's really special. And, and I think something that we touched on a lot at lift was was uh, talking about the importance of community, the importance of a strong training environment. And it's something that is kind of rare. It's kind of rare to have a super special, you know, training environment um, that caters to, you know, uh, a a person as an individual. And I think as strength and conditioning coaches in the sphere that you and I uh, run in, it's I mean, again, it's something that's uh, that's kind of rare. And if I had the cojones, I would open my own gym on the east side.
1: I but mean, you, um, you can.
0: But um, the only dotted line that I'm interested in signing is um, the one on Instagram for this particular podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't cost me a monthly mortgage. <laughs> doesn't, cost me mo- doesn't cost me monthly rent. So... All that to say, I appreciate you taking the the risk, you taking the responsibility to really create something that quite literally has your name on it. Yeah. So, as we wrap up episode forty-five, thanks for sticking around for this long to do two days worth of podcasts almost. And um, yeah, as we uh, head into the end of the year, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm humbled and I'm excited for, for what's to come.
1: God, you have such a way with words, man. You're so good. And very inspiring. in your own content creation. I'm over here like, I should post on Instagram and then don't. <laughs> and you play guitar. What a dreamboat.
0: You know where to find me.
1: <laughs> I do. I'm just gonna be like everybody. Holler attack.
0: You all know where to find me. You out there and you listening. So with that, let's wrap up. We should. Again, one more shout out to Zanz. This has been an amazing opportunity. And again, Andy is not kidding when he says that if you want to come be a guest or if you want to come shoot the bull and just have some beers in a private setting and you already don't mind listening to us rant as you've proven by your listenership, So we would love to have you there. A to Z, no BS. We will see you next time.
1: Goodbye.